morning, everyone. It's good to see you today in the house of the Lord. Look at somebody next to you and just say, I'm so glad you made it today. Hallelujah. Now look at the person on the other side of you and say, well, I ain't sure if I'm glad you made it or not. No, I don't say that. I don't say that. <laughs> Amen. It's good to see you today in the house of the Lord. Praise God for what God's doing at New Harvest Church. Amen. We had an incredible summer. We're on the other side of the summer now and hurricane season. Praise the Lord. So we just pray about the hurricanes and push them out, letting them go. No, no harm, no damage. Thank all three of y'all for your faith. Amen. Hallelujah. So we just thank God for what he's doing here at New Harvest Church. And also, I just want to echo what Pastor Tina was saying with Advance the Calls. So many of you have already started giving, and thank you for that. It's working. We've already sent over $11,000 towards that to the bank. And so things are just continuing to compound. Amen. And uh, also, since we were here last week, last Sunday, um, I shared it with the group on Tuesday night prayer meeting that uh, we've acquired this two acres over here next to us, the old Sunday's property. That's been transferred over. And I want to thank Dr. Carol and Miss Cindy. Would you just give God a great big God bless you for these guys? They really helped us with that, really helped us. They, they had the had the ability to sell that multiple times over the years, and uh, the doc held it on for the church, held it for the church, and uh, so with Dr. Carol, Cindy, thank you guys, it's just a tremendous blessing, so we're going to develop that back half, make that a recreation center, and then we're going to turn the front half into maybe some sort of business down the road, so that we can just keep things moving, keep things alive, amen, a lot of good stuff is happening, so we thank God for that, my wife is in Oklahoma today, if you're wondering where she's at, she flew out uh, Thursday to help Pastor Kathy with a few more things, and she'll be back this week. So just continue to pray for Pastor Kathy. There's a lot of transition going on in her life, and uh, we just want to continue to stand with her and believe God with her. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, are you ready for a little bit of the word today? Hallelujah. Won't you stand to your feet? Grab your Bibles. Also pray for Pastor Porter. He got he was he was out ministering this weekend. He's supposed to have been home yesterday afternoon, but because of the storms and everything, his flights got canceled, so he was hung up in Myrtle Beach. So I just told him, I said, well, we're going to have church anyway. We're just going to have to go on without you. Amen. Pastor Corey did an amazing job of leading this morning. Amen. Amen. I know Pastor, I know Pastor Porter's watching. We love you, man. Hurry home. I know he's trying to make connections today to get here, so he'll be here sometime today. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to a couple scriptures that I want to look at today, and at the end of the service, we're going to be praying. I've had, uh, we've already prayed for several people this morning uh, whose family members are fighting with COVID and respiratory issues, and, um, and we're just going to pray at the end of the service. I believe that God's a healer, and uh, we're just going to stand against that, amen? Amen. The, the power and the authority of God's word is greater than any disease. I want to say that again. That's a little weak. The power and the authority of God's word is greater than any disease. In fact, he said, I sent my word and I healed you of all your diseases. Amen. So we stand on that today. So we're going to be praying for some folks here in a little bit. But I want to go to Revelation, Revelation chapter 19. Continue to pray for Pastor Carlos. He's healing well. He's got a couple more weeks that he can't get on his feet. And then maybe some of the all the metal work that he's got going on in his leg will be able to come out. So we just continue to pray for him. Pray for my daughter, his wife.
Pastor Vanessa, she wrangles them three boys together all the time, takes care of them. Hallelujah. Pastor Carlos is, I think he's milking it a little bit, but we're just going <laughs> to. I was over there the other day, and he just rattled his glass like that, like that, fill it up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let me, let me move on before I really dig some holes here. Revelation chapter 19, just one little verse here, verse number 10. It says, and then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do that, for I'm a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. How many know that God will speak a thing, and if you can have ears to hear and grab it, it will begin to testify of the greatness of Jesus Christ. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now I want to go back to First Kings which is in the, Old, in the Old Testament there. And I want to use a familiar passage of Scripture to talk about what I feel like God has released for us in this particular moment. 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse number 1. Now it came about after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab, and now the famine was severe in Samaria. The word famine literally speaks about lack. It talks about a shortage or a deficit. It literally can, can, can transfer over into the word struggle or the removal of people's fruitfulness, the potential of fruitfulness from your life. So there was, a, there was a, a lack in the land. There was, a, there was a struggle going on in the land. Look with me in verse number 17. I'm just going to pick up part of the story here and read it to you. And when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? And he said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed the bells, which are false gods. Now then send to me, or gather to me, all of Israel on Mount Carmel, together with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. And then you know the, the scripture, they begin to have this showdown. Let me just read a little bit more. Verse number 20. So Ahab sent a messenger among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and he said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If it's Baal, then follow him. But the people did not answer a word. Here's the point of that. You can get so caught up in compromise that you no longer have an opinion on what, what you want to do. 
And that was, that, was, that was going on in the nation of Israel. Then they had this big showdown. I just skip a lot of that reading. They had this big showdown on top of Mount Carmel. So the prophets of Baal get their ox. They slaughter it. They lay it on the altar. And they begin to cry out to their God. The Bible says they cried out all day long and nothing happened. They even began to cut themselves so that blood began to pour from their own bodies. They kept crying out to God and nothing happened. Then Elisha takes his sacrifice, lays it on the altar. And that's when he was saying, let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. And you know the story. He actually took water pots and drenched the offering, drenched the sacrifice on three different occasions. And God came down with fire and burnt up the offering, licked up the water because he's God. Amen. Amen. Then we get into verse number 36 here in just a few verses here. Verse number 36. And at that time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that these people may know that you are the Lord and that you have turned their heart back again. This is when it happens. Then the fire of the Lord fell. It consumed the burnt offering the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, when they saw the evidence of God, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Then Elisha said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, do not let them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kidron and he slew them there. Now Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. One translation says there's the sound of abundance. This is what I want to speak to you this morning that I believe is prophetically that I want to release over your life. This is what I heard the Lord say to me. This is the title of my message. I hear something more. I hear something more. And I hear something different than what all the media is saying. I hear something different than the report of the devil. How many know that the last report is not the final report? There's more. I'm going to shout that again. There's more. Push on about three people and tell them God's got more for you. God's got more for you. Come on, push on them real good. Wake them up a little bit. God has more in store for you. There is another level. There is a next Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher, the teacher, the communicator. You're the revelator. Holy Spirit, you're the revealer of all truth. Thank you today for what you're going to do in this place. Thank you today for your presence that's already manifested. Lord, we just give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. Thank you today, Lord, for touching hearts and touching lives. And we honor you today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. 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 God bless you this morning. You can be seated. Let me just begin by working out a few concepts with you this morning so we can get to where I think God is telling us today. I believe we are living in some, some, some very strategic times, and I believe that the body of Christ is living in a prophetic moment. The further we get away from Adam and the closer we get to the appearing of Jesus Christ, the more becomes evident that we are living in days of prophetic potential. When the spirit of 
prophecy is spoken or released. In other words, when God begins to release a freshness or a new word or a new day into the lives of his people or into the earth, that word gets lodged into the atmosphere or into the climate. It gets lodged into the environment. When God is speaking his overall intention, nationally or globally, it's being spoken. He releases a word and it gets spoken into the atmosphere of the generation that's present. The second most repeated phrase in the New Testament is that he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what it is that the Lord is saying. So when God speaks, meaning this to the people of God, when God speaks and you can hear it, then it's possible to take that word from the Spirit of God and begin to manifest it into the earth in our day. Because something, in my opinion, what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing, what I'm leaning into, I believe that something is trying to be born. Something is trying to emerge. And God is releasing. How many know that God's not on vacation? How many know that God's not taking a break? And how many know God's not intimidated by the circumstances of the planet that we live on? And so, so when God begins to release a word, it becomes imperative that the generation that is present, the believers that are present in that generation, has to hear what it is that the Spirit is saying, begin to tap into what God is doing, tap into what God is saying, and take what is in the invisible realm and pull it down into, into our now. Pull it down into our world. Pull it down into our generation. Because something is trying to be born. And you have to have people that can hear God in the moment. It does us no good to just to hear about the historical accounts of God. I want God to do something in my day. I want God to do something in my generation. I, I, I believe the wind of change is blowing. How many can just agree with me right there? I believe that the Spirit of God is moving in the earth. I don't believe that God is absent. I don't believe that he's AWOL. I don't believe that he's vacant. I believe that the Spirit of God is moving and he's looking for people who have the ability to tap into what he is saying and what he is doing and take what the world is trying to do against what God wants to do and begin to bring that word into manifestation and let the devil know you are not in charge of this planet. So God is looking for a people. So the days that we're living in, and I'm going to get to where I'm going in a moment, just working out some of these concepts. The days that we are living in is demanding a people who can have an ear to hear. It's demanding a people that will begin to put their roots deep down into the soul bed of God's heart so that the word of God can begin to take root, so that it can manifest the promises of God. So God is looking for a people, and ladies and gentlemen, we, this is your last shot. You don't get another shot. Somebody says, this is, the la is this the last generation? It's your last generation. The, the, we only got one shot to do what God's called us to do in this generation. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to play it safe. I don't want to just sit by the sideline and hope one day God does something. I want to be on the front edge. I want to be on the cutting edge. And I want to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. So, so we, we have to have a people because the, it's demanding people. I'm, I'm, about, I'm, about, I'm about to get there. I feel this already. It's demanding people 
who had the ability to hear what God is doing because the atmosphere, the environment is pregnant with potential. Everything around us is pregnant with potential and God needs a voice in the earth that sounds like him. God needs a voice in the earth that sounds like heaven. God needs a representation on this planet that looks like heaven. That's why Jesus comes along in the New Testament. He says, when you pray, you pray like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we want the will of heaven operating in the earth. We want the will of God manifesting in the earth. And this is the way I interpret that. And I know we got struggles and diseases and all kinds of things that are going on. But ladies and gentlemen, at the end of the day, the word of God is not intimidated by circumstances. The word of God is, thrown, is not thrown off because of, let me just use it, what everybody's about to, about to have a meltdown with. God is, not, God is not intimidated by COVID-19. <laughs> the word of God is not intimidated by any disease. It's not intimidated by any earthquake, famine, pestilence. Huh? And God is looking for a people in this generation that began to take the word of God at its value and say, you know what? God has released that word in my day, and I'm going to release it to the enemy's camp in my generation. Come on, push on somebody and tell them, I feel something more. I, I feel and I hear. I hear something more. There's something more that God is trying to do. So the days that we're living in, the movements of God that we see happening all around us, even with all the chaos, the tensions, the uprising, the uncertainties, all of those things that we see is trying to tell us that something is trying to be born. All the tension, all the uncertainties of our day is the evidence that something is trying to emerge. Something is trying to rise. Something is trying to give birth. And how many of you know this, that that, that when you're pregnant with the things of God, when you're pregnant with the promises of God, sometimes it's, it's hard to articulate what you feel. When, when, you, when you know you got a promise from God, how many know that when you, when you really got, when you're carrying a promise from God, sometimes it gets hard to articulate that promise. That's why you got to have a peer group around you because sometimes you get pregnant with the things of God and there's no logic to it. That's why when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, she couldn't hang out with all the ladies. She had to go to Elizabeth, who was pregnant. She had to get a different peer group, somebody who could identify with the supernatural power of God that was working in her life. So when you're pregnant with something, you got to realize, I'm carrying something that's bigger than me. And when you're carrying something that's bigger than you, it gets hard to explain. It becomes hard to articulate. But you know when you know. You know when you know. You know when you know when the Spirit of God is there and when He's not. So the movements that we see, the movements that we that that we're feeling, and, and everything's just everything's vibrating. Everything doesn't seem solid. Nothing seems connected. And every system around us, as we know it, every system a man in our society is not only being shaken, but many are failing. All the systems are. Everything that we have put our hopes in, naturally speaking. Everything that we put our stock in, naturally speaking, are failing. Everything is being shaken from public education reform 
health care reform, social security, public and foreign reform, the economics of our day, everything's being shaken. Watch this. Political systems are being shaken. The criminal justice system is being shaken. Immigration reform is being shaken. Everything that we know in our planet that used to be stable, that used to be secure, the financial institutions of our day are being shaken. You know, you could, you, you could get sick. You could, save your, you could save a lifetime of saving up money to retire and get sick for three weeks in a hospital and use all your savings. Because everything around us is being shaken. How many know that cancer don't have a zip code? How I many know that COVID-19 don't have a zip code? It'll hit the less fortunate and it'll hit the upper nowders. It'll hit, hit, hit anybody. That's why at the end of the day, you got to have something more than a system. At the end of the day, you got to have a belief system that's beyond the systems of men. At some point in time, and I thank God for doctors and nurses. We got a lot of them in here who, who, who are working in the healthcare profession. I thank God for them because they are a blessing. They bring health and healing to a lot of people. But at the end of the day, my hope and my rest and my trust is not on the men and the fingers of men. My hope and my trust goes a little bit deeper than that. I'm going to stand on the word of God. At the end of the day, come what may, sink or swim, live or die, I'm going to trust in the word of God. So you got to have something that's a little bit deeper than what we've been trusted in. Because in every generation, something is trying to emerge. I'm about to get there. In every generation, something is trying to be born, something different. Something is destined to happen. And we're living in the days of reformation. We are living in days when reformation, a reformation, is trying to take place in our nation, in our culture, in our world. There is a reforming that is taking place. And if we don't have ears to hear what God is saying and what God is doing, we're going to miss out on the things of God. Something is trying to change. Let me break it down in your life. There are things in your life that God's trying to change. There are things in your home that God's trying to change. There's a reformation taking place in your life that God is trying to change. This will be on the screen for you. If we fail to hear what is being said by God, then the church stays uncoordinated with what is being said, and we miss it. We can miss God. How I many know that you can miss God when you don't discern God? When you don't believe that God is present, you can miss him. And we are at a moment in time, and if the church will recognize the moment, if we can recognize the time in which we have been assembled, the time in which we have been called together in this generation, we could step into that moment with boldness of speech, and we can begin to frame our world with prophetic insight. The one thing that the world don't have that the church has, and that's prophetic insight. We can hear God better than the world can hear him. I'm going to wait on you to clap on that one. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you, the church ought to be the leader of the pack. I'm telling you, if you read the scriptures correctly, you'll find out that, that the church, the, the, the body of Christ, is the teacher and the world is the student. We ought to be teaching the world how to live. We ought to be teaching the world how to overcome. We ought to be teaching the world how to put your marriages right. We ought to be teaching the world how to raise your children right. 
We ought to be teaching the world how to stay out of debt. Don't be caught up in an economic system that's come to rob you. We ought to be teaching the world how to work in unity and harmony, not, not division and hatred and all this ugliness. We ought to be teaching the world how to walk hand in hand and honor God at the end of the day and say, bless God. God is for me and God is with me. We ought to be teaching the world. We ought to be showing the world how to live. So we're in this moment. I'm about to get to where I'm going. We're in this moment. So part of the role of the church now is to identify this, what I keep calling the gap. It's the gap. And then we should be able to step into that gap and begin to create our future with our words. Because our words is based on what we believe. Our words is based on Scripture, right? We believe the Word of God. I believe God. How many know that, 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 that your behavior is always a reflection of what you believe? If you don't like the way you're behaving, you got to change the way you're believing because your behavior is a reflection of what you believe. So at the end of the day, God is calling the church to move just a little bit higher and go a little bit further. This will be on the screen for you. Prophecy is more than predicting the future. It's creating it. That's what the spirit of prophecy does. It doesn't just predict the future. It begins to create it. Job said it this way in Job 22, 28. He says, you shall decree a thing, and it shall be established for you. In other words, when you start declaring the word of God, talk to me and hear somebody. When you start putting the word of God on the situations and the circumstances, all of a sudden that word has more power than the circumstances that's swirling around it. That's why Job said you got to decree a thing. you got to declare something. You can't tell. You can't just get the report of what the world is saying on it. you got to put the report of the Lord on it. Isaiah said, whose report are you going to believe? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been extended to? I don't know about you, but at the end of the day, I want to believe God. I want to believe God at the end of the day, come hell or high water, it doesn't matter. I want to stand on the word of God, and I'm going to believe God over every circumstances and over every situation. It may not look good right now. It may not even feel good right now. But at the end of the day, this is what God has said. This is what I believe, and it becomes the testimony of Jesus Christ. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, so, so we, we live in a kingdom. I'm about to push on this a little bit further. We live in the kingdom whereby which nothing happens until somebody says something. We live in a kingdom where we have to say something. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. <laughs> Your words pull you into whatever direction you send them. Whatever you say is what you become. So your words pull you into your future. Mark 11, 22 and 23, Jesus said, he said, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and do not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, he shall have whatsoever he says. When he says speak to that mountain, how many know he's talking about something that, that looks like it's impossible? It's an impossible situation. He wasn't talking about moving geography. He was talking about speaking to impossible things in your life. And when you begin to speak to the impossible things in your life, ladies and gentlemen, you find out that there is a power that is unseen. There is a word that you can tap into that's bigger than any mountain that you face. I don't care what it looks like on the surface. One word from God can change everything. One breath out of God's word can just begin to push everything into a different alignment. So we understand today. Let me show you another scripture here. Look with me in Matthew. I'm, I probably have to read this one to you. Is this all right? 
I'm about to get there. Just hang out with me for a moment. Matthew chapter 8. I just want to make sure I get the foundation right. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 5. And Jesus entered Capernaum, and a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully and tormented, fearfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now watch the language here. And the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another one, come, and he comes. And to my slave or to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled, and he said to those who were following, talking about his disciples, talking about the church, he said, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. And if you drop on down verse number 13, and the centurion said, and Jesus said to the centurion, go and it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. <laughs> Jesus said, my servant is paralyzed. There's no forward progress. There's nothing in his life that's working. There's nothing that has any movement to his life. He's paralyzed. He's at home and he's paralyzed. And Jesus said, I, I will come and I'll heal him. And, this, and the centurion, this, this Roman centurion said, Lord, you don't have to come to my house. I too am a man under authority. I know how authority works. All you have to do is release a word. And when you release that word, it's like a man under authority that gives a command. When he gives a command, my servants know what to do with that command. The people that follow me know what to do with that command. I, too, am a man under authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes. So this one, come, and he comes. You don't have to come to my house. All you got to do is release the word. And here's the catch. The, the centurion believed it. He believed it. In other words, Jesus can release something here and heal something over here. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You can believe something in this moment right now, and it'll affect your tomorrow. You can stand on the word of God today, and it'll affect your tomorrow. You can stand on the word of God in your present, and it'll help shape your future. I, too, am a man under authority, and I say to this one, this one, and that one, go, and they go, and they come. And that's what Jesus is saying to us, ladies and gentlemen. We are the church of the living God. We are the offspring of Jesus Christ himself. We have the power and the authority to speak into circumstances and see the power of God resurrect itself. Go find somebody to preach to in a minute. I, I just, I just want to release this because I'm noticing this trend in the body of Christ. In 21st century believers in America, it's like we don't have faith for nothing. If it's not built by a man, then we don't have faith in it. It's like, it's like we, we have this, this illusion that somehow everything's just going to work out because we're here. No, you got to put some pressure on what you're believing God for. That's the centurion's servant was healed because he believed the word that hour. He believed it in that moment. You can be sitting right here, and God can be moving 10 years in front of you because you're believing something. And, every, and everything that's been paralyzed in your house, everything that has no forward progress in your house, 
everything that's been lacking and struggling in your house, you can believe it right now. And by the time you get home, things can begin to turn. Things can begin to move. Things can begin to happen. Come on, push on somebody. Tell them, I hear something different. Come on, just tell them, I hear something different. So in our church, I believe this. Not just our church, but many churches, there are people who are paralyzed. And they're not functioning at the level that they should. Marriages are not functioning at the level that they should. Children are not functioning at the level that they should. Money is not functioning at the level that it should. Amen. Promises are not functioning at the level that they should. And the enemy is trying to make you think that it's permanent. The enemy is trying to make you think that nothing's ever going to change. It's always going to be just like this. Nah, I'm going to tell that servant to get up. Now, I'm going to speak to that impossible situation. I'm going to say, rise again. Get up and do the work of the Lord. It's the, it's the testimony of Jesus. That's the spirit of prophecy. Amen? So the spirit of prophecy has the ability to be, to be intuitive when God speaks a thing. It doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> you don't have to have a chart and a graph. There's not always going to be others that are going to be around you that's going to promote you. Huh? In fact, when God speaks a thing, there's sometimes there's not even going to be anything that you can point to other than the fact that God said it. Because when something is trying to be born, when something is trying to emerge, it takes a people with the ability to hear what God is saying in that moment and not be controlled or defined by the circumstances. Amen. Amen. I've lived my life. My mom brought, brought me and my brothers up like this. And my dad finally got on board in the later years of, of, our, of our life. But my mom taught us at an early age that if this is what God said, you don't have options. <laughs> and, you know, we've, we, we've stood on that. I, I've watched my mom do incredible things. I've watched my mom lay hands on people in our family. And people got healed. When I was a kid, I watched people get healed. One of, the most, one of the most notable miracles I remember seeing my mom was, I was probably about six or seven, there was a tornado in our backyard. It was trying to come down, and my mom opens up the back door like Wonder Woman, just slings open the door and says, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Go back up into the sky from which you came. And I, the tail of that, that tornado was coming down. I saw it go back up. I'm like, I'm like I told Chad, don't touch her. Don't touch her. It, the danger's right here. Stay away from that. But, but, but she took authority. She began to release her authority as a believer in the earth. And I'm afraid if we're not careful, we're going to let the devil run roughshod over us. And we're going to let the devil get his way. And we're going to keep seeing the powers of hell begin to occupy things. When we have the power to say no, when we have the power to push back, when we have the power to let the devil know, you are trespassing, you are coming across God's property. I am a part of the kingdom of the sovereign monarch of the universe who has never lost a battle. He's never been endangered. He's never had to leave. He's never had to retreat. He's never had to quit. I'm on the winning side. I don't know who you think you are coming up in here with all your lies and all your decrees and saying, this is what's going to happen to your marriage. This is what's going to happen to your children. This is what's going to happen to your business. I just want to say the devil is a lie. God is God and his word is strong and his word is powerful. 
Come on, push on somebody and tell them, I hear something different now. I hear something different. There's something more. There's something more. There's something that God wants to release. Amen. I mean, no, we don't live in a, we don't live in a diverse. We don't live in a traverse. We live in a universe. Uni meaning one, verse meaning word. We live in a world that was formed by a word from God. God spoke the world into existence. When, when, when the church don't hear God, worldly voices will begin to take what is released into an atmosphere and worldly voices will put their interpretation to it. And you have to be careful because then you'll get like the techno prophets of Silicon Valley. They'll hear things, hear it in the spirit. They don't know what it is because their spirit's not alive to God, but they can hear things. Techno prophets will start hearing it, and they'll start developing it. The high priest of advertisement will hear things, false advertisements, and they'll start doing things. Social prophets, get on social media. <laughs> Everybody with a phone, I guess, qualifies to be a prophet now. I don't know. Hollywood will hear something, and they'll produce it, yeah, because God is speaking. And when God begins to speak his intentions into the atmosphere, it can get grabbed by wrong voices, and then it gets articulated in a way that's not of God. That's why Jesus said you can have eyes to see, but do not see. You can have ears to hear, but you don't hear. Ezekiel said, when you're living among rebellious people, they have eyes to see, but they don't see. And they have ears to hear, but they can't hear. And what God needs in this generation, and I'm pushing on this strong, what God needs in this generation is a people that can hear what God is saying, what God is declaring, and get in that gap with the proper articulation of what God is saying and begin to manifest that word into our culture. I'm going to show you how this got developed, and then we're going to preach it. In the 1960s, there was something that was trying to be born in that decade. Something was trying to emerge in the decade of the 60s. Something was trying to be born. But a wrong group of people began to hear something, and they began to give voice to it. Now we're living in the fruit of their voice. Something was trying to change in that generation, but the church was getting quiet. Something was trying to emerge, and rather than the church being on the cutting edge, all we could talk about was the return of the Lord. All we could talk about was a corner in glory land. All we could talk about was vacating the earth. Huh? That's all, that, that was our theology, so all we talked about how bad everything was, and we can't wait to get up out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not good theology. Jesus said, I didn't come to take you out of the world. I came to make you powerful in the world. Greater is, you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So you have to understand that, that when these voices in the 60s, I'm going to show it to you. You'll see it here in a minute. But when these, when these voices begin to get formed, a whole generation got attached to it. And they miss what God was saying because the church became quiet. That's why we push here and we've been doing it for years now. We don't want no quiet church. 
We don't want no sit back, take it easy kind of saint. We want people who can lean into the things of God. We want people who can understand that if God be for me, what in the world could ever be against me? We want people who's not intimidated by a devil that's already been defeated. We want people who understand when I throw up a praise, the glory of God begins to manifest in my circumstances. People who can walk through all kind of hell and high water but got the peace of God because you're not moved by what you see. You're not moved by what you feel. You're not moved by what you hear. But you're only moved by what you believe. And I believe God at the end of the day. So a whole generation in the 60s got thrown off track because they couldn't give voice to the change that was taking. So we had all these movements now in the 60s. It was a decade of movements announcing something into the atmosphere. Let me just show you a little bit of the history here, <clears throat> just so you'll kind of pick up where I'm at. In 1961, actually began in 1960, but in 61, America began its conflict with the Vietnam War that lasted until 1975. Over 550,000 troops were sent into Vietnam. In 1962, these are in the 60s now, prayer was removed from public school. 1963, Bible reading was removed from public school. In, in, in 63, in, in November of 63, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. In February, Malcolm X was assassinated in 65. 67, 1967, we had the Haight-Ashbury movement in San Francisco with the summer of drugs, <laughs> free love, and the hippie movement. Some of y'all were there. <laughs> it became the epicenter of the counter-cultural movement. It's true. It's historical fact. It became a counter-cultural movement to mainstream America. This all began to happen in the 60s. 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. A few months later, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. 1960s gave birth to Beatlemania. It was born in America. 1969, Woodstock came on. With 500,000 people gathered together in a 600-acre farm in Bethel, New York. And young people gathered in that place. Watch me now for a three-day festival, and they began to announce to the climate that the age of Aquarius has been born, and it became the dawning of a new day, and it began to move through that generation because every time a spirit begins to move, it always tries to find a sound that will hold it in place. So there was a spirit that was released over America. And it was for change. It was for reform, reformation. But when the enemy's crowd, if I can say it that way, people who were not born again, they heard something, but they could not give articulation to it. So they began the countercultural movement, which today, those hippies in the 60s are occupying seats of authority in the White House. Because they could not give proper articulation to what they were hearing, and the church was silent, 
We had a decade of, of, of assassinations. We had a decade of free love. That's when the whole act of marriage began to change because you can have sex with whoever you want to. It's your choice, your body. Do what you want to. Do how you please. So we came a God unto ourselves because we didn't want the mandates of God. We didn't want the scriptures in us. So we just began to go with the flow of the culture. Y'all not helping me. We just began to begin to live based on the dictates of the culture. Now we have a generation in play whose parents were there, and now they don't know how to deal with this generation because they were as rebellious in their day as this generation is in our day, and we want to blame it on the kids. I want to say, I want to look at the parents. I want to say, what have you been teaching them? What have you been modeling to them? I'm going to get those golf cart classes now, ain't I? So you had all this going on in the 60s, right? These events begin to open up doors. I'm about to close when I preach here in just a moment. The events open up doors, and ungodly spirits begin to find agreement with the culture. Rather than driving it out, we got in covenant with it. And they found their lodging place in an atmosphere, and the fruit of that climate now is being manifested in our day. So for an entire decade, our nation in the 60s was being shaped. Now, I'm not saying everything in the 60s was bad. Y'all know that ain't, that, that ain't how I do it. Not everything was bad. I'm just talking about the, the overarching dominant thought of the 60s. Now you got an entire decade of a nation that's been shaped by a spirit because wrong prophets were prophesying their interpretation because they didn't have the spirit of Christ. And because the church was not active, that began to take root in our nation. Let me just put it into our day. If we keep staying silent, you won't live to see it, but your children will have to pay the price and your grandchildren will have to pay the price. That's why we have to have a pushback. That's why we can't be intimidated by governments and authorities. We should obey them as long as they don't cross God. But the moment they cross scripture, I'm out. I ain't plugging into that. I'm going to believe the word of God. I'm going to stand on the constitution of my Bible. Can't find no help in here. Y'all making me sweat up here. So when these movements, they begin, and so now you, you had all this unrest and tension and all these social movements. Same thing as what's going on today. There was all kinds of social movements in the 60s. Today's not a different day. It's the same devil, it's the same tactic, it's the same ploy of the enemy. It's just different for you because you never had to fight it. It's just different for you because you never had to be in it. So now, instead of us falling apart and saying we don't know what to do, we need to have ears to hear what God is saying and stand on truth in the midst of the craziness and say we believe that God can turn it around. We believe that God can fix it. So when the church doesn't have the spirit of prophecy, then we spend our time going through the motions of just church life, right? You know, we just get religious. We punch in that religious clock and we say, well, I came to church. That's not taking ground. That's not possessing territory. And that's not living out the life of Christ. 1 Corinthians 14 says there are many voices in the world 
and none of them are without meaning. There's all kinds of voices in the land, and none of them fail to communicate, one translation says. The problem is that we, what we have is, is there are too many voices that we're hearing. Well, y'all getting so quiet on me up in this house. We are hearing way too much and not hearing what we need to hear. Because every voice carries a message and it's, solicit, it's solicitating real estate in your head. Every time you watch the news, it's carrying a message. Every time you watch a show, it's carrying a message. Every time you go to a movie, it's carrying a message. You think it's about entertainment. It's far more than entertainment. There is a message behind it. And, 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 the, and the problem is, it's not that all, not all of that is bad. Some of it is good entertainment. But the problem is, when the church don't know his voice, then we start agreeing with that voice, and then our culture begins to take shape in a different way. All right, look at somebody telling me there's more. Come on, tell me there's more. So this is what God wants to do. He wants to release the spirit of prophecy over people's lives so that the power of God can begin to manifest on a different level. I point these things out to you because in order for faith to flourish, individuals and churches have to develop a climate that becomes conducive for faith to manifest. Now, let me just pick on it right here in a corporate setting because you can do it on an individual setting. So when we come up in here, this is the pressure that, that most churches come under because everybody comes from their own culture. Everybody brings their own culture to the table. However you were brought up, however you were trained, however you were, you know, however you, your experiences, all those things train you to believe a certain way. And so when we come in here as a corporate body of Christ, we should not come in here with the world's culture. We, we should come in here with the culture of the kingdom. And so that means just, in a, I'm just using this as an example, but it can work anywhere. But, so when we come in here together, collectively, gathered together, and you have a bunch of people like this that can come together under the banner of Jesus Christ and say, I ain't worried about your white skin, your black skin, your Hispanic color. I'm not worried about your ethnic degree. I'm not worried about your pedigree. I'm not worried about how much money you make or how much money you don't make. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not concerned about your past and all your failures and all your faults. I, I'm not concerned of where you've been and how you did it. I just know right now everything in your life can change because whenever we gather together in the name of Jesus Christ and we begin to lift up the name that's above every other name, the powers of hell begin to get shaken. That, that's why every believer, and I won't pick on you for a moment, but every believer has a spiritual responsibility to the climate. So when we come up in here, look at somebody say, he's about to go for it now. Look at somebody say, he's going to go for it. So when we come up in here, you have no excuse to be quiet. Come on, talk to me. You have no excuse to be still. You have no excuse to sit back and say, well, that's just the way I am. No, because I guarantee you, with the right set of circumstances, under the right environment, your life will shift drastically. Oh, no, y'all not, not getting it yet. If, 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 if I walk to, to Jeff and say, Jeff, you know what, man, I know you've been going through a lot. You, you had you can't, cancer and all that, and you, you overcame that, and now you're in, a, you're in this valley, and you're just fighting again because you're believing God for further. You want to go more. You want to do more things for God. And you got all these circumstances. If I said, Jeff, here's like $5 million. Go do what God's called you to do. How many know that Jeff is not just going to sit there like that right there? 
Because the moment he just sat there right there like that, I'm going to walk back up there and snatch my $5 million back from him and say, I'm going to find somebody that's going to be happy. I don't, because you know what? The circumstances change based on what you received. And so many times what we do is we come to the body of Christ and we're asking God to give it, give it, give it. When we ought to be saying, God, I've come to get it. I've come to go after it. I've come to believe you for something bigger than I, because there's something different. I hear something different. I hear the sound of abundance, even though it's a drought, even though there's struggle, even though there's like, I hear something different. Here's something different in the atmosphere. And I, and I know we're, our, our communities are struggling, our, our governments are struggling, and we, we got this dreaded disease, COVID, that's just trying to run its race. But I, I'm just trying to tell you, I'm hearing something different. I'm not hearing the negative. I'm not hearing the voice of the enemy. I'm hearing the voice of God in the midst of the struggle. And I believe if we can tune in to what God's saying, we can shape the next decade of ministry with the power of God. Woo. That's a whole lot of saying just to get where I'm going. Because how many know that climate and weather, they're not the same thing? This will be on the screen for you guys if you can find it. I know I'm random in my notes, but just if you can find it. Weather is the condition of the atmosphere. In short term, it's hour by hour, day by day. Come on, we live in South Florida. We know the weather changes, right? What people up north call a storm, we call that an after th afternoon, 3 o'clock thunderstorm. It's sporadic and it's chaotic, right? That's weather. Climate is what we expect from the atmosphere in long term. It's the average patterns over a sustained period of time. Climate becomes predictable. Weather is unpredictable. Climate is what's predictable. Climate is what sets the weather in motion. Climate is what tells you what the weather is going to be like. And so many times we're fighting weather when we ought to be dealing with the climate because the climate dictates the weather. In our text, here we go now, the nation was in a drought. They were in a famine due to the sin of idolatry of their nation and their leaders. Elijah declared that there will be no rain except at my voice. I prophesied there wasn't going to be any rain and there was no rain for three years. Then he comes back on the scene. He says, now God's going to send the rain three years later. So we find out in Scripture, we read it. Elijah began to prophesy, and the word of the Lord came to him and says, go show yourself to Ahab, and I'm going to send some rain. In other words, Elijah, if you'll deal with the climate of what's going on in your nation, I'll change the weather. Elijah, if you'll catch the wind of the Spirit, if you'll hear what I'm saying, and show yourself to Ahab. In other words, take the sin of your nation to task. Let God be God and deal with the climate. I'll change the weather. The reason why there was a drought was because there was no rain. The reason why there was no rain, because the climate had been affected by wrong voices. I mean, that's what's going on in our nation today. We, we're trying to change the weather 
when we ought to be dealing with the climate. He, sa he says, go tell Ahab that you hear the sound of an abundance. I hear something different. There's something more because the climate is about to change. I wish you'd push on about three people and tell them the climate is about to change. No, I mean, I mean, push on them like you about to, you know something is about to really happen up in here. Come on, give me about 10 more minutes and we'll, 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 we'll lock and load and we'll get out of here. It's about to change. I'm trying to tell you the climate over your house is about to change. The climate over this region is about to change. The climate over this nation is about to change because we refuse to be quiet. So he was at a kairos moment. This is where we go. Kairos is, is, the, is the New Testament word for time. Kairos. It's an appointed time in the purposes of God. It's the time when God begins to act. It, it's, it, a working definition was, uh, Kairos was a passing instant when an opening appears that has to be driven through with force if success is to be achieved. Jesus comes along in Matthew 11 and says, The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. It, it, it's, a, it's a moment on the calendar of God. It's a Kairos moment. It's a moment that you cannot make up. It's a moment that God releases. It becomes a window, an opportunity of time when God begins to act beyond all human reasoning. When God begins to do things beyond all the logic in the world. When God goes beyond the systems of the world. God just says, I can do what I want to do because I'm God. It's the moment provided by God. This is what I'm saying to us today. It's a moment Provided by God to give us another experience. Because there's got to be more. There's got to be more than what we've seen so far. There's got to be more healings. There's got to be more breakthrough. There's got to be more deliverances. There's got to be more salvations. Come on, talk to me up in here. There's got to be more people being discipled. There's got to be more people being trained. There's got to be more people being developed. There's got to be businessmen who operate with integrity, who operate with honesty, who understands that they are kings unto the Lord, and they move money so they can expand the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's got to be more than what the church has seen. Got to be more. So he's in this Kairos moment. The early Greek philosophers knew that that term kairos was attached to rhetoric, speech, language, words, how you say a thing, what came out of a person's mouth, meaning that if someone could discern the moment and get up with the right words and begin to put speech to the moment, their words would have generational impact because they understood the power of a kairos Moment. That's why in our text, Elijah is standing looking at dead cattle, looking at farms that are bellied up, and he's standing in the midst of a drought where there hadn't been rain for three years. And he says, I hear the sound of abundance. Some of you are standing in something right now. Everything around you looks dead. But the spirit of prophecy says you can hear something different. You can be standing in the midst of everything that is dying, dead, or decayed. And you can begin to say, I hear something different. Your children may be a million miles away from God, but you can begin to say, I hear something different. 
It's not going to be like this forever. Your marriage may be almost on the verge of divorce, but you can stand in the middle of the cloud of depression and say, I hear something different. You could be wracked in pain in your body. You could have a disease, but you could catch the wind of the spirit and say, I hear something different. That's what Elijah was doing because he refused to give in to the cultural preference was false worship. Let me just give you these real quick and we'll go. We've got like six minutes. I'm not going to preach them. I just want to make sure you get them. Here's the characteristics of these kind of people. Number one, they understand that climate control must precede climate change. You've got to control the climate. You've got to control the climate. If you don't control the climate, then nothing changes. The climate in your house is producing fruit. If you don't change the climate in your house, you can pray about the weather all day long. But you are producing the weather that's coming in your house by the climate that you permit. Come on, talk to me up in here. <laughs> in order for the climate to be conducive, and I'm just using these words for miracles, you got to deal with all the strange voices. You got to deal with all the doubters, the haters, the scoffers, and the unbelievers. I can't tell you how many this. Many, like many of you, I, I grew up in Quilson. I was born at the Quilson Hospital, back, back when they delivered babies. It's like at the turn of the century, I guess. That's when they had babies up in there. I've been here all my whole life. And I've had people my whole life tell me I can't do this and I can't do that. I've had them tell me my whole life. Especially when I got into the ministry and said, you ain't going to be able to do that. I've had bankers look at me and say, you know, you ain't going to be able to do that. That ain't going to work here in this city. I'm like, huh? How can I have a word from God? And you're going to tell me it ain't going to work? I, I literally, I've, I've had bankers laugh me out of their office when we were trying to get money to, just to build the school. I said, it ain't going to never happen. That school will never work here in this city. It ain't going to never float. It ain't going to never fly. It ain't going to ever work. So I went back to our board. I went to Dr. Carroll. I went to Clyde. We just talked. We said, you know what? God said do it. Let's just do it. Just do it. You, and it's not about the school. It's about overcoming the doubters. It, it, it's, it's, the, the school is just an offspring. It's the fruit of what God said. They said we would never have this church. When we, when we launched this church 31 years ago, they said it'll never last six weeks. They said it'll never last. After it got past six weeks, it'll never last six months. Well, after we got past six months, they said, well, it'll never last six years. Well, it's amazing. We just kept lasting. <laughs> we just kept going. You know why? In part because we didn't know no better. We just had a word from God. We just believed the word of God, and we kept plugging away. We kept pushing into it. Now here we are on the verge of launching a brand new sanctuary that will seat 800 people. Come on, talk to me. And there's, there's, there's voices saying that'll never happen. I'm saying, listen, you just got to live long enough to see it. That's what you got to do. You got to stay alive long enough to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Because if God said it, then God will do it. <laughs> so you got to deal with the climate in order to get the weather right. All right, number two, they can hear what others cannot. That's what prophetic people can do. People that can hear God, they can hear where others cannot. Elijah could hear the sound 
of abundance. All the other prophets couldn't hear nothing. Let me say this to you in closing. Don't follow people who can't hear nothing. Don't follow people who can't hear nothing. You may live in lack, but I hear abundance. I, I, I hear in our nation everything's divided. I'm, I'm, I hear in unity. I hear unity. People say, well, I, I, all I hear is doubters. Well, I hear favor. Well, all, all, I, all I hear is fight, fight, fight. Well, I hear victory. Come on, talk to me. Well, all I hear is struggle. Well, I hear breakthrough, okay? I just hear breakthrough. In the middle of the struggle, there's going to be a breakthrough. Elijah could hear it. Number three, just real quick so we don't have to preach them all. Number three, they believe the promise over the proof. <laughs> Elijah started praying, and he sent his servant to go and look. The servant came back and said, I don't see nothing. He said, go back. The servant went back seven different times. What I love about the tenacity of Elijah was he didn't give in to what the servant couldn't see. The servant kept coming back saying, I don't see nothing. But he didn't give in to what the servant was saying because he said, I hear the sound. You just keep going back until you see what I hear rather than me quitting based on what you see. Amen? Because they believe it. They believe the promise over the proof. When the proof of nothing is visible, you have to be anchored to a promise that's eternal. The promise is more powerful than the proof of what exists. That's why you have to come to the place in your own life when everything is screaming against you. I'm just saying this, I'm saying this in love because we got a lot of people that are fighting and believing God for healings. But when there's a proof of, of a disease, I'm going to believe the promise of healing. Come on, I got to get more amens than that. Come on, we're not intimidated by that. When there's a proof of a bad marriage, I just believe the promise that God's a restorer. Amen. Amen got to believe the proof. Let me give you the last one here. They know how to hold their positions. Elijah remained in position through the report, even though it was contrary to what he was believing. He stayed in position. The Bible says he went. I can't really demonstrate it too good. I got these skinny jeans on. <laughs> Y'all know they ain't skinny. They just tight because I got fat legs. <laughs> I couldn't get skinny jeans past my ankle. But the Bible said he went and he crouched his face between his knees, which was a picture of a woman giving birth in that time. And while his servant kept running back and forth, he stayed in position. When you know you're about to give birth to something, don't let the exterior circumstances throw you off. You just, you just stay in your birthing position. And you just keep pressing and you keep pushing until that thing begins to change. And Elijah never let up from his birthing position. He never let go of his stand. He never let go of his promise. He never let go of his moment just because the circumstances were contrary to what he was believing for. There's always going to be contrary circumstances to the promise. But you just hold your position. And if you'll hold your position, finally the servant came back and says, you know what? 
All I see is the cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, hey, you know what? That's it. That's enough. Little as much if God's in it. I don't need a big report. I just need a report. And, the, and, and he said, now you need to saddle up. You need to get off this mountain because I hear the sound. I'm trying to tell some of you, some of you have been in a birthing position. You've been believing God. You've been fasting. You've been praying. You've been declaring. You've been standing on the promises of God. And it never, none of it ever looked good around you. But get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because something is about to change over your life. Because something different is coming. Something more is coming in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that, somebody shout amen. Come on, Pastor Corey. Come on, somebody shout amen. Come on, you stand to your feet real quick. Don't abort your miracle too soon. It's too much at stake. Way too much at stake. I know whenever Karen and I were getting ready to, to believe God for certain things in our own life, in our own home, even with our own children, way before our kids were married. You have to go through a test. Because you, you don't know how much you can trust something until it's tested. You really don't know what you believe until you're tested. Anybody can shout glory on the mountain. But it's when you're in the valley that you've got to believe God. And hold on until something begins to shift. And that's what Elijah was doing. Until the clouds begin to form. Elijah had to deal with the climate to change the weather. If I can say anything on our way out today, you don't have a weather problem. You have a climate problem. The climate has forecasted the weather over your life. Because the climate is predictable, the weather is not. You don't like the weather you're in, it's because the climate you have fostered. If you'll change the climate, how do you do that? You change it by what you believe. Then the weather will begin to change. And I believe in this house. I just believe we're, we're, our, our nation is in a fight for its soul. The church is in a fight for its position in the earth and if the church doesn't go back to the root of God's word and stand on his promises we'll release spirits just like they did in the decade of the 60s we'll release spirits of hatred, division, murder we'll release all kinds of spirits for the next generation to contend with then we end up living in lack and struggle. And we can break it. Amen. Come on, lift your hands all over the building. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God right here. Come on, you got something in your life you believe in God for? I would just begin to pray it out right here. Come on, just begin to open up your mouth. Say, God, I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to live in that place, in that position. I hear something more. I hear something more in my family. I'm not giving up because of what I'm going through. I'm going to hold on, going to hold out. Come on, lift your voices. Come on, let the saints of God pray.
Come on, you're in this place today and you're going to believe God for that. Don't let the enemy get the upper hand. Stand against it. God will move in your moving. Victory is waiting on your arrival. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I speak to that situation. I speak to those circumstances. I speak to the powers that be over your life. I break its grip. I break its stronghold. And I release the power of God to flow and to move into your life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to do this because I feel there's an anointing. I felt it all, all morning long. If you got somebody in your family, you got somebody that, that's close to you that's fighting COVID right now, and there's been some bad reports, I want you to come up here to the altar. We're going to pray. We're going to break that right now in the name of Jesus. You got somebody that's fighting COVID. Come on. Come on. You're just going to stand in proxy for them right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is, you got somebody that's fighting it. It don't even have to be COVID. It could be any disease. But I'm, I'm, we're going to release something here. He told the centurion, all you got to do, all you got to do is just release the word. That's all you got. All, all you got to do is just release the word in the name of Jesus. Come on, we got people coming. Pam, won't you help me get the altar team? Let's just stand behind them. Just come on, guys. Just keep coming. Come on, we're going to stand in agreement. We're not going to have no fear. We're going to have faith. We're going to declare the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, families are being affected by this. And we can break it in the name of Jesus. Come on, we can break it in the name of Jesus. Come on, I need some strength in the house right here. We need some people that can say we can believe God right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. We say this to you right here. Let me just say this. Let me just say this because I feel this. I felt it. Janae. Before we came out of the ready room, they, she just got a phone call while we're in the ready room. They're trying to put her mother on, um, what do you call it, the, the breathing thing, a ventilator. They're trying to put her mom on a ventilator. Janae had to leave to go help make decisions. I prayed with her before we go. Jeff and I were praying with her before she left. Uh, Christy just told me that her aunt, uh, Mary Postel, is, is ICU. It's taking a turn for the worse. But we can stand. Come on, this, this ain't hopeless praying telling you. We don't pray amiss. We pray according to the will of God. And, and, and many others. I'm sure uh, Wayne and Nancy told me that, that your, your, your granddaughter, grandson, grandson, Corey has, has COVID. And there's others. Others. But I'm just saying what we do as the people of God, we don't give in to that report we give in to his report. You say, well, that's false hope. What else are you going to hope in? What else do we have? But I believe we can stand in proximity. And that's why the centurion looked at Jesus and said, you ain't got to come to my house. I don't need you to come to my house. I don't need you to walk up into my house. All you got to do is release the word. And the word you release, I'm going to believe it. And before he could get home, his servant was healed. Wouldn't it be awesome, powerful, if by the time we get through praying here in a few moments, by the time we get home, reports begin to come in. Man, they're doing better. Man, they don't have to do this. I'm that's the hope that we have. That's the hope we have. So come on, let's pray.
I want some of, the, some of you can join us up in, from behind, and we're just going to pray, and we're going to declare, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come against every sickness. We come against every attack. We come against every disease in the name of Jesus. Father, you said that you sent your word and you healed us of all of our diseases. You said in your word that by your stripes we are the healed of the Lord. So, Father, we declare over these bodies. We declare over these people. We declare over this family. We declare now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would visit those hospital rooms. Visit ICU. Visit those places where we can't go. We speak to that disease. We speak to their lungs. We speak to we speak to their to, to the neurology of their life. And we say, rise up, rise up, breathe, breathe, breathe in the name of Jesus. Believe the report of the Lord. And Father, we declare, we declare healing. Let healing flow. Let healing manifest in the name of Jesus. Turn it for your good. Turn it for your glory. Turn it for your witness. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. We declare Come on, I believe something's changing. I believe something's turning. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, rise up. Man of God, rise up. Woman of God, be healed. Be healed. Be healed. In the name of Jesus, we call you alive. We rebuke the spirit of death. We rebuke the spirit of death off of their life. In the name of Jesus. Okay. God. Be whole. Be healed. Come on, can we just thank God in advance? Can we just thank him in advance? Because we know he's faithful. He's a covenant-keeping God. He's an all-powerful God. We release it. Come on, now we're going to pray. No fear, no fear, no fear, no fear. Father, we will not operate. You did not give us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So, Father, we rebuke the spirit of fear. We rebuke fear. Come on, where, 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 where's, all the, where's all the fearless people? We rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. We're not going to be bound to fear. We release the glory of God. God, I speak peace. I speak peace into every home. I speak peace into every life. In the name of Jesus. Come on, we're just going to pray of our community. Lord, we speak peace over our community. We break the attack of the variance. We break the attack of the rise of disease. Come on, come on, angels standing at the four corners of the gates of our city. We do not permit you to come in here without a fight. You cannot come up into this territory that's anchored down by the people of God. We rebuke your power. We rebuke your presence. In the name of Jesus, we speak peace over our community. We speak peace over our region. In the name of Jesus, and we release the authority of your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, can we just give God a big old praise like we know he can do it. Like we know he can do it. Hallelujah. Woo. Amen. 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 This is what I want to do for some of y'all. I know the situations in your life, your family, but 
like when we walk out of here today, text somebody that's with them or text them however you want to do it, but let them know, hey, we just stood in the gap for you, and we're going to believe the report of the Lord over your life. Come on, you got to put some confidence in them. You got to put some courage in them. They got to hear something different. They've been hearing the reports. They got to hear something different. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Where's Isaac at, Greg? Where's Isaac? Isaac? Oh, there he is, right there. Isaac. We're going to pray for Isaac real quick. Isaac leaves tomorrow. The 19th, he's going off to college. Southeastern University there. Come on. We're going to pray over him. Any other students going off to college? Anybody else? We'll pray for you. Anybody, any other students going off to college in August? No? You're the only one, man. We're going to pray over Isaac. Hallelujah. I watched Isaac grow up in his house. I don't know, how old were you? Seven years old when you started coming here. Now you're going off to college. Man, you make me feel old. Good Lord. You were seven years old running around the altar. I had to trip you to stop you from running. Now you're going off to college. But I want you to know that there is a gift of God on the inside of you. And you're marked by God. You've had a mark of God on your life ever since you were little. And you've carried that. And you've stewarded that mark really well. You've been clean. When the whole culture around you was dirty, fought hard to stay clean. God's going to honor that. And you could have went it multiple ways, but you had such a heart for God. And there was something inside of you that said, I'm going to stand with God. I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing. I'm not saying you're perfect. Your dad's amen to me already. Your mom's right there. Y'all can come up here. I'm not saying you're perfect. But I'm staying you stood the test because you kept coming back and you carry a real sweet nature of the presence of God and I just want to prophesy over you and I'm just going to make this because this is what I hear okay some people don't think that you can make a big difference in universities because they become the indoctrination centers for everything that's wrong and that's true you're going to have to hear the voice of God because 60% of the professors in universities are Marxist trained. They're trained Marxists. They have a socialistic, communistic agenda. That's a proven fact. You can Google that. That's proven. They have an agenda. And some people don't believe that you can go in there and make a difference. I believe differently. I believe if God sends you there, you're going with purpose and you go with assignment. Because I know this by the natural you weren't supposed to be there. It was a last-minute deal. Now you're going on a scholarship with wrestling. And some supernatural doors opened up just to get you in there. The whole football team's still mad at you your whole high school career because you never played football. They tell me that. They say because wrestling is a cult. <laughs> so everybody on the football team don't like wrestlers. But you know what? They say you can't make a difference when you get there. Let me just remind you of one college player that did. You know him well. His name's Tim Tebow. He went on to the most partying campus in the state of Florida. He went to the University of Florida in Gainesville. And you know what? He didn't bend on his values. 
He didn't bend on his commitment to God. He held true while the whole college might have been partying around him. He held true to his faith. And you know what? I, I'm not saying this about you, but I'm just saying, you know what? There's only one monument at the University of Florida of a college student, and that's Tim Tebow's because of his values. I'm just saying there's an anointing on you like that. You can be that kind of guy. You can be that person that can walk into all kind of chaos and release the Spirit of God. Wrestling is a tool. That's all that is. That's just a platform. That's not, that, that's your assignment for this season. Now, it, even if you go into professional wrestling, even you, WWE, I, whatever you do, it's all a platform for the glory of God to shine through you. That's all it is. And God's going to use you. And I just want to pray that over you because I feel that about you. I do. I feel that. I mean, I've watched you. I've watched you since you were seven years old. You've been close to this house. You've been close to mine and Karen's heart. We've carried you. And I've watched the gift of God get formed inside of you. So church, will you just stretch your hands? Father, we pray for Isaac now. Lord, as he walks into unknown territory, as he walks into his next place of assignment, God, I pray that the gift of God would be made strong. Let the gift of God come alive and real on the inside of him. And God, I pray that he would be that witness. He would be that lighthouse in the midst of a world that's full of chaos and a world that's searching for understanding. And God, I pray that as he walks the hallways of that university, God, within just a couple of years, his name will be known not because of his athletic not because of his, 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 his ability to wrestle, but his name will be known because of what he stands for, who he serves, and what he stands up to. So, Father, we release a fresh anointing over Isaac now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that the angels of God protect him, shelter him, guard and guide him, watch over him all the days of his tenure there while he's at that university. And God, I pray that every need that he has will be met. Lord, he won't live in struggle. He won't live in lack. God, that you'll supernatural supply every need. And God, may he become that witness in that lighthouse to all those that he comes in contact with. And Lord, we just thank you. And we just give you praise. And we release a fresh anointing over his life to be that man, to be that person that God called you to be. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen. Pray over Melissa and Greg. <laughs> Hallelujah. Empty nesters. Now, yeah, I know y'all got that one. Got that one you had in Israel. Hallelujah. Whew. I feel God in this house. I'm telling you, I do. I believe our best days are ahead of us. I believe your best days are ahead of you. Will you just tell somebody that? Tell them God's not finished with what he started. He's not finished. I want to speak over you today. Father, I thank you for the people of God today. Thank you for their life. Thank you for their commitment. Thank you for their love for you. God, I'll speak a hedge of protection over them for this week as they go out into the battlefields of the earth. God, I pray that you would go with them and you have your angels encamped about them. Give them success. Let everything that their hands touch cause it to prosper. Lord, I thank you today for what you're doing in people's lives. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name I pray. 
and everybody together said amen. 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 God bless you. We love you. We'll see you Tuesday night at prayer in Jesus' name.